0: text from which my assignment comes uh, comes from John chapter number 12, and I'm going to begin reading in verse number 1. The scripture says, Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was, who had been dead, whom he had raised from the dead, and there they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spankyard and anointed the feet of Jesus, And wiped his feet with their hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him said, Why was this fragrance not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but that he was a thief and he had the money box and he used to take what was put in it. But Jesus said, let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have always with you, but me you did not always have with you. Today in our series, This Is Us, where we are looking at the defining characteristics of the life of us as Christians, as Christ followers. I want to kind of flip the focus today from us to Christ. And I don't want to talk to you about this is us. I want to talk to you about this is God. This is God. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you speak to every heart? As we come before you, as we prepare our hearts for our special offering, we pray that we would enter into a place of worship, that we would go deeper into a closeness with you today. We pray this in the name of Jesus, and everybody said, you may be seated. As we come to our text, um, we find that that Mary, who was a former prostitute, by the way, is is having a supper, and at this supper is Lazarus, who is our brother, uh, Martha, who is our sister, um, Simon the leper or formerly the leper who Jesus healed um, of leprosy who is her uncle and they're all around the table with Jesus and they're having a meal a holiday meal for the celebrate the Passover which I kind of think is cool by the way I mean think about this think about Easter time and you know you have all your relatives coming over and stuff like that and some of them that you like and some of them that you don't like and you know you kind of but then Jesus comes over and he's part of the dinner ceremony as well. I mean, that would just make the day, wouldn't it? Imagine having Jesus hanging out at your very house. I mean, Jesus is really close with this family. You've probably heard me share this before. He has developed an intimate relationship with them. He's done so much for them. He's, He's healed Simon of his leprosy. He's raised Lazarus from the dead. He's changed Mary's life from a life of prostitution to now being back with our family again. And this family is very grateful for everything that Jesus has done. They didn't just take from Jesus, but they developed a strong relationship with Jesus. Them and Jesus our friends, and, and when we hear that, we think, "How cool would that be?" But can I just remind you that Jesus said that we are His friends. He called us friends. He doesn't want to have a distant relationship with us. He doesn't want us to only include Him when we need something in life. But He wants to come to our homes. He wants to be part of our family, part of the way we do life on a daily basis, part of our marriages, part of the way that we raise our children. He wants to go with us on the job. He wants to go with us to school. He wants to be with us on just Are ordinary everyday relationships and so he's having dinner with this family which again to me just is mind-blowing you can stop there and just meditate on that for a moment but as he's there having the Passover dinner Mary decides to display some reckless radical extravagant generosity toward Jesus notice the text it says she takes a pound of perfume I know it's a, it's it's oil spankered, but from our context you know making it real a pound of perfume we don't talk about perfume in terms of pounds, do we? If you've ever got around somebody who's put on too much perfume, you think, well, maybe they put a pound on. But you don't put a pound of perfume on, right? You, you refer to perfume in terms of ounces. A normal bottle of perfume, I think, is like three and a half ounces. Is that right? Maybe five ounces or something like that. You know, this was a pound of perfume. She doesn't spritz it. She doesn't spray it. She doesn't do a little dabble, do you? She takes the whole entire, not ounce, but pound and she dumps it on the feet of Jesus. And this wasn't cheap stuff. This was worth, the Bible says, $300. Denari. A denari was an average day's wage, and so 300 denari, if you take out you know weekends and vacation time, is is probably a little bit more than how much we work during the course of a year. So we'll say a year's worth of wages is what this pound of perfume was worth. In Connecticut, the average salary right here in this region is 68 thousand dollars a year, and so she takes a 68 thousand dollar bottle of perfume. And she doesn't spritz it, she doesn't spray it, she dumps the whole thing on Jesus' feet. That would be like dumping a bottle of Clive Christian number one on Jesus' feet. Now, some of you have no idea what Clive Christian number one is. It's just a perfume that costs $12,789.11 per ounce. By the way, thinking about getting your pastor a gift? I mean this is this is expensive stuff imagine taking a bottle of that and dumping it on the feet of jesus what would your reaction be i, I think i'd be like kind of like right there with judas maybe i wouldn't have spouted it out like jesus judas spouted it out but i would have thought him, oh, look at that t- on the feet nevertheless I, I know that's the feet of jesus and so they're beautiful you know beautiful are the feet of those that bring good news and all that but these are feet I mean, feet of all places. I mean, most people got some nasty feet, by the way. You ever notice that? But can I just let you in on a secret? You might hate me for this. But one of the reasons why I'm opposed to baptizing people is because people got some nasty feet. And they start walking in the water and everything. And the water is swimming with all their foot stuff on it. Well, anyway, she takes the oil. I mean, sixty-eight thousand dollars worth of perfume, and she just she just dumps it on the feet of Jesus. And I was, what a waste! I looked up some things on Google, some of the things that billionaires waste their money on. I thought you'd, you'd find this interesting. One billionaire spent ninety-three thousand dollars on a fourteen-foot tiger shark. Ninety-three thousand bucks on a shark, just so you could put it above his mantle. Another billionaire spent $2.3 million on a photograph of Billy the Kid. Just a little photograph of Billy the Kid. Hey, look at that photograph on my mantle. That's worth $2.3 million on a photograph of Billy the Kid. One billionaire spent $36 million on a piece of furniture. Would you let anybody sit on that furniture if it was 36 million dollars? I'd put it in a case. I'd be like, yo, you want to fight? Get off that furniture right there, right? 36. One person spent 3.9 million on a violin and the one that takes the cake, some billionaire spent four million dollars on plastic surgery. You know that didn't look right. You know that didn't look right. By the way, once you get over like forty, fifty thousand on plastic surgery, stuff starts to look awkward. You know, I mean, sorry if you all had plastic surgery, and if you did, then you probably don't look awkward because we would all recognize it. And I don't see anybody that looks awkward right now. But imagine four million dollars on plastic surgery. Imagine being there in the room. A bottle of perfume worth a year's salary being dumped on the feet of Jesus. Judas says, why this waste? We know he wasn't saying it because he really cared about the poor. He was saying it because he was stealing from Jesus' treasury. You talk about some gumption, right? Like, how many of y'all, before I said what I just taught you, would say you would definitely, if Jesus was like, you know, the, the, the pastor of your church, and how many of you would have absolute confidence in where the money is going if Jesus was your pastor? Do you know that Jesus' ministry had a thief in it? Do you know that Jesus' ministry had somebody who was taking the money and putting it in their pocket? Isn't that amazing? I mean, Jesus, how come you didn't fix that situation? I mean, that's a whole other story in and of itself. But think about this for a minute. Judas is going, but I got to say, aside from the fact that he was a thief, if I was there, I might have went, when I saw the 68 grand go on the feet of Jesus, I'm going to have been like, oh, no, can we mop that up and squeeze out the sponge or something like that? Get some of that thing back. Here's my question, though. What was it? About Mary. What would possess Mary to be so recklessly extravagant in her generosity towards Jesus? Here's what I think the answer is the answer is that Mary didn't see what she did as simply giving Jesus a gift, she saw her act of generosity as an act of worship. What's worship, Pastor? Well, I know what worship is, Pastor. Worship is the 30 minutes prior to you getting up to speak that is our grace period to get to church. That's what, that's what, that's what, that's what worship is. You know, we don't really have to get there at 11. We really need to be there by 11.30. Or we, we don't need to get there by 9. We really need to be there by 9.30. Cause that's when the important part of the service is, is. Interestingly enough, we think that worship is just this time when we, When we sing, and it's kind of irrelevant, and sometimes we like it, and sometimes we don't. And and if that's your opinion of worship, you kind of don't have it right. Worship in in Bible times or singing, what we call worship, singing songs to God was, was not a lesser part of their worship experience. It was a very important part of their worship experience. Matter of fact, in Bible times, whenever they went out to battle, they would send one particular tribe first. It was the tribe of Judah. Why? Because Judah means praise, right? So what they would do is they would send Judah first. And the reason why they send Judah first is because they believed that as praise went up, God came down. They believed that as they worshiped the Lord, that the presence of God encamped around them and that God would actually fight for them. And by the way, did you know that Jesus is from the tribe of Judah? He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And when I put the connection together, here's what God said to me. He said, every time you Praise every time you lift your voice up to me, what you can envision in your mind is lions running at your enemy because Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. What happens when a lion runs at, runs at you? You, you, just, you just freeze. How many of you like to freeze the enemy right in his tracks? You know what? That's what praise means. It literally freezes the enemy and the enemy just gets scared for the moment and then God starts, starts to fight for you. Well, in Bible times, this is what they saw their worship as. And so worship isn't exactly only the part where we sing. There's, there's something about worship that makes it worship. It involves music and singing, and, and it's not the lesser part of the, the story, but the, the service. But worship comes from the Greek word sabomai. Sabomai. And what it literally means is to personally and properly esteem. It means to show a deep sense of reverence, awe, and veneration. It comes from the Hebrew word shakar, which means to bow down and pay homage. Is it any wonder why Mary put her gift on the feet of Jesus? Because she was bowing down and paying homage. In English worship is any act or expression of reverence and adoration so worship is not just when we sing worship is whatever act or expression we direct in reverence honor and adoration toward god worship involves our heart it involves our mind it involves our will our soul our emotions and our spirit worship is when all of us is given to all of him worship is when we don't hold anything back from god worship is when god becomes the sole object of our desire worship Worship is when all of us is consumed by all of him. Worship is when we are overshadowed by who he is. Worship is an outward expression of an inward revelation. Worship is not just the movement of our lips. It's when our lips become an extension of our heart. Therefore, it is entirely possible to sing and not worship. You, you missed that. It's entirely possible to move your lips and, and not worship. Jesus said it like this, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me if the heart is not engaged in the act you just call it singing it's not worship if if the heart is not engaged in the act you could just call it you know doing something kind but it's really not serving the lord if the heart is not engaged in the act all it is is a plop and drop it's not really a gift given to jesus what god wants is god wants the heart engaged in the act of worship. In short, worship is when we express to God what is in our heart. And when you understand that's what worship is, is it any wonder why during our services you will see people raising their hands? You'll see some people crying. You'll see some people jumping. You'll see some people bowing down or getting on their knees. And usually when people express themselves like that in worship, everybody looks and goes, oh, they're a little extreme now, aren't they? What, what's, what's wrong with them by the way i think the real question is when when nobody's doing nothing the real question is what's wrong with y'all how how come how 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 come there's not an outward expression how come you're not so excited about jesus i mean think about it. we think it's normal when guys paint their entire bodies and root for a sports team and we're like, yo, bro, you're looking good, man. I, I got my colors on too right here. Get their big old bellies out and more paint necessary. And got on this side this color, on that side the other color. And they got this on and that. And in the middle of the 20-degree weather, they got no shirt on. And that's normal. I mean, there have been times when I've been watching a football game, we're not talking about football right now though, cause it ain't going the no way it's supposed to be going right now. But I'll be watching a football game and I'm sitting on the couch and my team does something good and I jump up and yell so much I get lightheaded and I gotta sit back, sat down again. And I don't remember ever getting lightheaded for Jesus. See, when you understand what worship is, that worship is the inclusion of the heart, where the heart is engaged, is overcome by God. Is it any wonder why Mary didn't just spritz and spray and pump where she put the whole pound of perfume on Jesus? Because for Mary, it was not simply an act of generosity. It was not just a gift. It was, it was worship. And here's what God has given me to teach you today. And, and there are a lot of days when I get a feeling, but there's sometimes when I get a no-so. I got a no-so this week. This is what God told me to teach you. He said, teach them that, that worship, giving, is part of worship. It's not plop and drop. It's not tip or even tithe. It's not task or duty. It's not must to or have to. It's an act of worship. And here's the thing, we know something special about worship. We just talked about it a little while ago. We said, envision worship as lions running at your enemy. We know, we've taught, we we believe as Christians that when praise goes up, God comes down and fights for us. Right, we believe that Paul and Silas, they're in in jail in the midnight hour. They begin to sing praise to God. And by the way, it's not that God waited till midnight. The Bible says that they didn't sing until midnight. If they would have sang sooner, God would have shook the place sooner because God inhabits the praises of His people. And when they when when worship went up, they were in chains and those chains fell and that prison door was open and they came out. And we love to teach people that praise breaks chains. But but it's really not song that breaks chains. It's worship that breaks chains. And worship is any act where the heart is involved. And this is why the same way a song that is worship can break a chain is the same way giving that is worship can also break a chain. It's why the woman who is a widow woman that had a little bit quick left and gave Elijah a flapjack got God to fight for her. It wasn't that she gave to God. It was that she worshipped. You not hear him. She worshiped in her giving. That's why the Bible says that when we bring the tithe, listen to what it says, that God will rebuke the devourer for us. It's not that we gave an amount that's not the issue with God. It's that we worship. It's that our heart was engaged in the moment. And when God has our heart, God invades our lives and God fights for us. And he fights back famine in our life like he did for that widow woman. And he fights back premature death in our life like he did for the Shulamite woman's son. And he fights back the enemy in our life when we worship, when our when our heart is involved. And so Mary is... Not just giving a gift, Mary is, is worshiping it. That's why it seems strange to everybody else, because everybody else didn't know that that's how to present something to God. And it's as if Mary is letting all of us know this is this is God. Y'all might not recognize him, but but I recognize him. This is God. This is my provider. This is my redeemer. This is my sustainer. This is my confidant. This is the source of my joy. This is my peace. This is the giver of life. This is my redeemer. This is my savior. Church, this is God. This is the maker of heaven and earth. This is God, the one who flung the stars into their space and told the planets to stay in their orbit. This is God who has no beginning. He has no end. This is God who upholds all things by the power of his word. This is God who put the breath of life in this is God who said light be and light was this is God the sovereign of all things this is the alpha and the omega the beginning and the end this is the author and the creator of all things good that are seen this is God that we are worshiping and so I want to look into Mary's life for just a moment and I want us to to look at what makes giving worship what makes giving worship number one giving becomes worship when we, re, when we remember that he's rescued us. When we come to our text, Mary is sitting around the table with Jesus. Again, think about that. Wow. Jesus at the table. She's looking around and here's what I'm thinking. She's thinking. I shouldn't be here right now. So, what you, why, why, would, why would she be thinking that? Because when we come to the scene in Mary's life, it looks like a pretty good scene. Uncle there. Brother there, sister there, Jesus there, meal, family. Life is good. By the way, life doesn't get better than that. That, That's like one of the pinnacle moments of life. This scene in Mary's life is is wow. She's sitting around the table with Jesus in the company of her family. This is a life is good scene. And I think she's thinking, I shouldn't be here right now. Why? Because this wasn't always the scene in Mary's life. If you back up in Mary's life, you will find up that Mary wasn't always in the company of her family. For most of Mary's life, she was in the company of strange men. For most of Mary's life, she was a prostitute, probably estranged from her family because they were embarrassed by her, broken and looking for love in all the wrong places. There was a time when she didn't see herself as a lady at time, For whatever reason, she was stuck in a lifestyle where she continuously was used and abused. And like anybody stuck in that lifestyle, Lifestyle. she wanted to get out she just didn't know how to get free and we're given a glimpse into a prior scene in mary's life not the good scene but the the rest of her life the prior scenes over luke chapter 7 check it out with me for a moment verse number 36 one of the pharisees asked jesus to eat with him and he went to the pharisee's house and he sat down to eat and behold a woman in the city was a sinner When she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flax of fragrant oil, she stood at his feet behind him weeping, and she began to wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with the hair of her head, and she kissed his feet, anointed them with fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee who had invited Jesus saw this, he spoke to himself. This man, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Who was this woman? Mary. This is not the same scene as in John chapter 12. I know both involve an alabaster box. Both involve expensive perfume. But the scene in John is when life was good and the scene in Luke here is when life wasn't so good. The scene in Luke is when she was just coming out of her days of prostitution. The scene in Luke is when Jesus had just delivered her from her lifestyle. When he had rescued her from where she had come from. Mary is looking at around the table and she said, I shouldn't be here right now. There was a time when instead of being in the company of my brother and Jesus, men that I could trust, I was in the company of men that were just after one thing and I didn't know if they were going to kill me and leave me. There was a time when I didn't know whether my meal was coming from but now I'm in the family, I'm in the house of my uncle and a table is set before me. I didn't know if there was going to be a roof over my head but tonight I'm going to sleep right. Mary is looking around, she said, I should and be here right now but I'm here is it any wonder why giving became worship because she was looking around she realized Jesus had rescued her from her old life He set her free from her bondages. He looked past her sin and saw her worth. He loved her despite her lascivious life. He picked her up. He washed her clean. He made her brand new. He gave her value. He loved her for her. He rescued her from her old life. A life that should have killed her. A life that took everything meaningful from her. A life that stole her joy, her peace, her femininity, her innocence, her identity, her esteem, her value, her family, her virginity. And he rescued. Her. She's in a new scene of life. She's saying, I shouldn't be here right now because she was remembering the old scene that Jesus rescued her from. Can I, can I just encourage somebody right now? The scene that you're in right now that you don't like, it's not always going to be your scene. Can I tell you there will come a day where you will look back on the scenes. Of where you didn't know where your meal was coming from. Where you didn't know where your peace was coming from. When you didn't know where your joy was coming from. When you didn't know where your health was coming from. When you didn't know if you were going to make it another day. And you will look back on that scene. And you will be sitting around a table. And you'll be looking at what God has done. And you will look back and say, shouldn't be here right now. Shouldn't be here right now. Shouldn't be here right now. And hopefully that will motivate you to give God your heart in worship, because that's what God is after above everything else. A couple of weeks ago, we showed the testimony of of one of our uh, newly, recently converted Christians, Valoon, wonderful young man of God. He'd shared his testimony, how he was in a gang, and how they had this this big brawl, and they, they beat him in so bad, they Cracked open his skull and everything like that. And he stood and he's here. You see him today transformed by the power of God. No, no, no uh, 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 symptoms of ever being beat. And as I watched that and how God put his hand on him, I thought that should have been me. I say, what, what do you mean, pastor? That should have been you. You were in a gang? No, I was never in a gang. But I was walking one day just to a neighbor's house. And a van pulled up alongside me. Five guys jumped out of the back of the van. The back of the van opened up. Five guys with axes, pitchforks, bats, knives. One guy put an axe literally right here on me. Well, another guy stood in front of me, punched me in the side of the face. How my neck didn't get cut with that axe when he delivered that punch was only by the grace of God. And right about as I'm thinking to myself, here it goes. I'm going to either get beat real bad or killed right now for God knows why. I didn't know these people, didn't have anything to do with them, never messed with them. But all of a sudden, there was one more guy in the van. He jumped out of the van after all this just began to go down. He said, you know who that is? They said, what are you talking about? We know who did. He said, that's Frank Santor. Y'all better leave him alone. He started beating up his own buddies. And while he was beating them up, I was able to get away. That should have been me with my head cracked open. That should have been me in the hospital. But God! And you can all look back on your life at certain points and maybe sometimes we don't even realize what God has saved us from and God has kept his hands on us. But all of us know that because of Jesus, we have been rescued from our old life and we have a new life in Christ Jesus. And we are here today because of Jesus. (laughs) Giving becomes worship. When we realize he's rescued us. Number two on your outline. Giving becomes worship when we remember that he's blessed us. Mary's looking around that table. She's saying, I shouldn't be here. Then she's looking, she's saying, my uncle Simon shouldn't be here either. He was a leper. At very best, he should be quarantined into a community and not allowed to touch anybody or affect anybody. But Jesus healed him. She looks over from Simon the leper. She said, Lazarus shouldn't be here. Because he was dead. And all of a sudden, she begins to scan in her mind's eye such an important question as she she's around the table looking at all of the blessings around her. And a few weeks from now, we will all be around the table and we will be looking at all of the blessings that are around us. Some of you say, well, I don't have too many blessings in my life, Pastor. If you're at a table, you're blessed. If there's a roof over your head, you're blessed. If you got anything on the table, you're blessed. If you have family around you, you're blessed. We'll be looking around the table and we'll be asking the question, hopefully, why are we blessed? And some people will foolishly think they are blessed because of their hard work. They are blessed because of their intellect. They're blessed because of all the talent and all the ability they have. They're blessed because they work hard. And some people will just sit there in in, in pride that they don't even know of and think, look at me. I have done a good job with my life, not realizing that there's a reason why every single person is blessed. And Mary is looking around that table. She's saying, why would he bless me? And I think she's looking back. She's remembering that old scene of her life. And she's asking herself the question, I don't understand why he would rescue me and why he'd bless us. I was a prostitute. I had nothing to give him in return. Simon was a leper. He had nothing to give him in return. This was a one-way exchange. All I had to offer him was brokenness and strife, yet he made something beautiful out of my life. And she's contemplating and she's asking, why, 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 why? And we have insight into the conclusion that I believe she came to because you remember when Lazarus was sick? Mary and Martha sent a little note to Jesus. Do you all remember that in the scripture? Here's what the note said. Jesus, the one you love is sick. Think about this. If somebody you loved was sick, what kind of note, what kind of prayer would you pray to Jesus? Would it be a nice little short prayer? Jesus, the one you love is sick. Jesus, Jesus, the one you love is sick. Would it be something like this? This is how I'd pray. I pray, Jesus, not only is this the one you love, but this is the one that gets up every single day and reads their Bible. Jesus, they don't read their Bible just a little bit. This is a one-year Bible person. They read through that whole Bible in one year. They don't miss one day. They always get up. Before anybody gets up, they put you first. And when they get up, they, I hear worship going on in the other room. And, and they get up and they pray. And not only do they pray, but they pray in the Holy Ghost. They're always in church, Jesus. I mean, Jesus, they're faithful in, their, in everything. They're faithful in they're serving. They're faithful and they're giving. They're kind to of little old ladies. Jesus, this one is the one. That's not what Mary prayed. She prayed, the one you love. Is sick. Would that be your prayer? Simple, short, like that? Would that be the letter you write? Except, of course, if it was a relative that you don't like, then it would be like, Jesus, I understand you're busy. Talk to you soon. <laughs> but that would not be the prayer that we would pray. But what does this reveal about Mary? It reveals that as Mary is searching her soul, as she she's sitting at the table and she's looking at all of the blessings around her, she's concluded that the reason why he rescued her and she was a prostitute and the reason why he healed him and he was a leper and the reason why he brought him back from the dead is because of one reason and one reason only, because he loves them. For God so loved The world that he gave. He loved and he gave. He loved and he gave. Can I just explode a myth for a second? God doesn't bless you because you pray, God doesn't bless you because you give. God doesn't bless you because you serve. God doesn't bless you because you live a holy life. God blesses you for one reason and one reason only. Because he wants to and because he loves to. Yes, prayer positions you for blessing. Yes, giving shows where your heart is at. Yes, faith is the vehicle that brings the promise into your life. But it is not the motivation behind why God blesses our lives. He blesses us because he loves us. And so Mary is looking around the table and her giving becomes worship because she remembers that he blessed her and her family. Third thing I want to share with you today is that giving becomes worship when we realize not that he has rescued us from our old life. Not that he has blessed us in this current life but giving becomes worship when we remember that he came to save us that he has saved us our text says jesus in response to judas's criticism of mary's generosity says let her alone she has kept this for the day of my burial somehow some way mary knew jesus was going to die for her to not just rescue her from our old life, but to save her from an eternity in a place called hell. And I know it's not preached that much these days. I know we'd rather talk about how God can change our lives now. I know we'd rather hear about what God can do for us while we're on this planet. But this life is temporal. It's a vapor. It is here today, and it is gone tomorrow. It is summarized on our tombstone by a dash. It's fool's gold to hope in this life. Someday, everybody in here is number We'll be called someday. Our time will be up. And when that day happens and we go off into eternity, it is then we will realize the crux and the core of the gospel and the beauty of what Jesus did. That at the core of it, he didn't really come to heal our bodies, even though he did. At the core of it, he didn't come to bless us financially, although he loves to. Jesus came to save our soul from hell that's why he came that's the core he loves all the other stuff and yes he paid for all the other stuff and I don't want to minimize what Jesus purchased for on the cross because he purchased our healing there and he purchased our prosperity there but listen to me at the end of the day you can be poor and still go to heaven you could be sick and still go to heaven but you can't be a sinner and still go to heaven We needed a savior. And Mary's worship became giving because she remembered that he came to save us. Here's when giving becomes worship. When we remember everything that Jesus has done. Rescued us from our old life. Blesses us with good things in this life. Saved us from an eternity apart from God in a place called hell so that you and I would spend our eternity in a different place, a place called heaven, where Jesus said this, he said, in my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. He came to save us. And here's what God told me to teach you today. He told me to teach you, please understand that giving is every bit as much of worship as singing is, as serving is. It's part of what we do. This is This is us because this is God.